going on, everyone? Welcome to the Just the West podcast. I'm your host, Just the West, and week one is done. Week two is upon us. I have my co-host, T-Up, on the line. T-Up, are you there? Oh, I am here, and I am super excited to talk about this week because football is back. It was it was wonderful to see a game on Sunday, and uh, we definitely had an exciting first week, didn't we? Yeah, NFC West as a whole. So check this out. The Niners are 1-0. The Seahawks are 1-0. The Rams are 1-0. So you would presume that the Cardinals would be 0-1. But no, sir. They are 0-0-1. Meaning they have a tie. So in the division, there are no L's within the division. And whether it was the offenses or the defenses, um, yeah, I think both sides of the football for this division made plays. Uh, The Rams came out up top at Carolina. They won 30-27. to Like I mentioned before, Arizona, they somehow tied. But keep in mind, they were down like 27 to... Or they were down like 21-6 to entering the fourth quarter. But they took it to overtime and they came out with a tie against the Lions, 27-27. to The Seahawks, they were at home. They were 9.5-point favorites, but uh, kind of true to form. They kind of stalled on the offense, but they still came out with the win. Beating the Bengals 21 to 20, and last but not least, uh, San Francisco 49ers. They had a pretty tough, pretty humid road game against Tampa Bay, and uh, yeah, it was a pretty close game up until like the fourth quarter. Uh, there were two pick sixes, and they won 31 to 14. So, um, before we get into each game, I mean, just overall, tee up. Any thoughts to Week One? Just anything top of mind for you? Uh, you know, just a lot of storylines, I think, uh, a lot of shockers. I think this is, I think they call this overreaction Monday because actually we're shooting on Tuesday, but you know, Monday, everyone is just coming off the weekend and not really knowing what to expect from teams. And, you know, we had a few shockers, Lamar Jackson having, uh, having held a game and his new wide receiver, Hollywood Brown, just, just making moves. Um, Cleveland Browns just just stinking it up. Yeah, kind of going back through the form. Um, yeah, I mean we definitely had a a couple games that we could highlight, but you know since we're focusing on the NFC West, you know I'm pleasantly surprised with uh, how all the teams uh, performed, and you know I'm sure we're going to talk more about it. But let's let's go, let's jump right in. Yeah, so I think the trippiest thing about before we go to each team, I mean, it's pretty cool. I lo- I watched every game for the NFC West, and I think the consensus is defensively all four teams had takeaways. They had blocked punts. They had interceptions. They had forced fumbles. Every team in the NFC West made a play, uh, which leads me to my next thing. Let's go with the Niners. So the Niners last year, they only had seven takeaways for the entire season. They only had two interceptions the entire season. And what happens in week one, of course, they, they broke pretty much their, their season record from last year. They had um, two pick sixes. They had three takeaways. Their starting cornerbacks, Richard Sherman and Akella Witherspoon, had pick sixes. And while well, the offense kind of stalled, at t- actually, they stalled a lot of times. But, um, you know, it was like, what, 7-6 halftime. Uh, but the defense really 
held them together. Uh, it wasn't Jamie G. It wasn't Kyle Shanahan. And maybe we could talk about his play calling, but um, it seemed like the defense saved the day on the road. And mind you, T-Up, you kindly reminded me about the statistic, but the Niners have not won a East Coast game since 2014. And so that's been like what they were saying. like It was like 0-9 or, or some shit like that. Uh, but they finally got the win at Tampa Bay. Uh, mind you, you know, Tampa Bay isn't that great of a team themselves, but, I mean, they were still were favored. I think it was like Tampa Bay minus one over under 51. And the Niners came out with a dub. They came out with a dub. They're 1-0, and they, they go to Cincy next week. But what are your thoughts about this game, T-Up? Yeah, I mean, to kind of go off the betting, I thought it was going to be an under game, um, under the 50, or 51. I, for some reason, I thought that it's just going to be the offenses are going to be sloppy on both sides of the ball. But, I mean, that kind of was the story for the first half. Um, but the it started picking up. You know, just it started with uh, our front seven, actually D Ford and Nick Bosa. I'm really, really impressed with him. And uh, D Ford is going to be a good duo looking forward. They they were able to put pressure on Jameis Winston. And, you know, he as a result, he did make some poor throws. Uh, I was super stoked about that. What, what did you think? I'm sure you were excited. Uh, yeah, I was pretty damn excited. Well, I think the game changer, like the game breaker that really changed the momentum was that Richard Sherman pick six because um, we hadn't seen a Richard Sherman pick six. Well, actually, we haven't seen a Richard Sherman interception as a niner. He had zero interceptions last year, let alone a pick six. Uh, that, oh my God, that changed the entire momentum of the game that happened in the second half after a lackluster first half. Um, it was the defense that really stepped up to it, but I, I guess to the Niners' credit, at least for this week, um, the pressure in the front seven enabled the secondary to make plays. You know, So Jimmy Ward was out. Tavares Moore had a near pick six himself, actually. Uh, he had a pretty good game. Uh, Richard Sherman and Keller Witherspoon. We can talk a little bit about, about your boy Witherspoon, but he stepped up in the final stages with the game ceiling pick six himself uh, but overall I mean it was nice to see that this front seven was active and you know I, I was a bit worried too because earlier on in, in the first half uh, you know the run game by the Bucks it was surprisingly pretty good between Barber and, and Freeman uh, they pulled off a couple of big runs but then you know when it really came to it in the second half uh, they made some plays and you know, the defense as a whole, I mean, even special teams, they had a block punt the first drive. Um, they got to Jameis Winston several times. And so, you know, all in all, a pretty good day for the defense. It's uh, it's kind of weird, but the defense saved the Niners this time around. It's usually been the other way. So, I don't know. What, what, what about you, T.O.? Yeah, you know, I do want to talk about a few head, head scratchers. Um, the first moment of the game for me was with uh, Jimmy G., he threw that pick, and the DB was reading him the whole way. <laughs> DB sat, sat down on the ball. He made he made a jump towards the ball, and he he made a play for the pick six. It was at the ten yard line, and by the time he knew it, he was in the end zone. So that was, uh, you know, I was a little disappointed after that. It was just like, come on, come on, you know, it's like. I don't know, maybe that's Jimmy's rush. Maybe, you know, he needs to move the quarterback with his eyes a little bit more. I don't know. Um, my second head scratcher of the, of the day goes to Dante Pettis. Oh, man. I guess. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I mean, we all know the story. That's Kyle Shanahan's boy. He wants him to step up to be the number one wide receiver. Uh, last preseason game of the of the year, he he was being questioned why he's playing Dante Pettis in the fourth quarter because he wants him to compete for the job. You know, it's it's not it's it's for him to lose. And coming in the week one, you know, I was expecting to have his to see watch him have a huge game, but he only had one target for seven yards, and that was. A little, um, I don't know. I was just confused at that moment. But I guess after uh, he had like a calf injury or something that he was dealing with. But whatever the reason is, is you know, I I still am hopeful for Pettis. But you know, and I, I was just a little like, come on, where where are you? Where are you? This whole offense as a whole, too. And I want your thoughts on this because we were talking about this on Sunday, but. Um, Jimmy G, he didn't look good. He had one really nice throw. It was like a 45-yard throw to Richie James in the second half um, to get things going. But, you know, the first half, a lot of screen passes, a lot of predictable, conservative play calling from Kyle Shanahan. And it might have been because of that pick six earlier in the game where Kyle Shanahan had to reel the play calling back. Um, But it seemed that they were playing a little bit with their, what's the best term to call their tail between their their legs in, in regards to, you know, there were hardly any shots down the field. Uh, most of the stuff was, you know, short to mid-range, a lot of kittle, which is fine, don't get me wrong, but a lot of kittle um, down the middle on, on slants. Uh, hardly saw Marquise Goodwin, though he did have a couple drops himself. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was rather a contained offensive play calling and do you think that's largely in part because, you know, Jimmy G is rusty coming off his ACL. Kyle Shanahan knows he's on the road. He wants to, you know, kind of ease him into it. Or do you think that, uh, yeah, do you think that just Jimmy G and Kyle Shanahan had, had a bad game? Do you think that Kyle Shanahan called a poor game of, uh, when it comes to this offense? Uh, I, that's hard to say, to be honest. It's, I I want to I want to think that Kyle Shanahan has has a plan, and this was all part of the plan, kind of easing him back in and establishing the run game early. So I don't want to say that. I mean, it was pretty bad play calling. I was, you know, we were going back and forth about it. You know, he was running the ball in passing situations. In my opinion, uh, you know, it would be a, a third and a third and whatever short, and he's. he's or no, I'm sorry, third and long, second and long, going for the run. It was just like, I don't know, few, few questionable plays. But I think overall, it kind of, it, it all came together at the end. Thankfully. All right. All right, thankfully. It does annoy me, though, like, on third down to do a wide receiver screen, like, that's usually some pussy shit right there. That's some really conservative stuff. Uh, it actually felt that, you know, when Jimmy G had his better throws, it wasn't when he was in the pocket because it seemed like when he, he still has, like, his footwork. He doesn't step into his throws when he's in the pocket. It seems like uh, the throws when he rolls out and he has to make a play, he's been able to have some success that way, which is not what I was really expecting. It was um, – he seemed a little skittish in the pocket. Am I seeing, seeing that correctly? Oh, yeah, no doubt. And, I mean, we've been seeing that in the preseason. Yeah. So, I don't think, I don't think you're in the wrong for that. Any other thoughts about this game? Our O-line, yeah. our O-line held up, though. Did, did Jimmy, did he, he got sacked maybe once. He got sacked a couple times, yeah. He got sacked a couple times. I think um, all in all, the, the, the O-line wasn't that bad. When you want to talk about the trenches, though, 
one thing that did kind of annoy me is, you know, to your point, Kyle Shannon usually has a good running game to set up play action and keep Jimmy, you know, on point with that. But they really didn't run the ball well. And this Tampa Bay front seven, I thought that would have been a five-star fantasy football rating for Coleman and Brita. But, uh, yeah, man, I think that um, Coleman had like 30-something yards. He gets hurt. Brita comes in. He has like 15 carries for 35 yards. He has a sauce and mustard, but they didn't really... Uh, they didn't really capitalize in the run game. And then conversely, I mean, um, yeah, it's just uh, their run defense, their defensive line, they, they gave up some big, pretty big plays to some lackluster running backs. It was kind of weird, but it still worked out. Like I said before, it was the secondary this time around that really saved the day. Game ball for me, I mean, you could make a play for either you know, a killer with a spoon for the game ceiling touchdown, pick six. Uh, you can also put it towards Richard Sherman for, you know, changing the momentum. But I mean, uh, game ball wise, who, who do you give this game ball to? Uh, I want to give the game ball to. That's, that's tough. I have, yeah. I would I give it to the front, you know, the front seven for holding it down okay. up there. And, you know, they didn't, they didn't allow, um, any huge big run plays. Uh, they they contain James Winston and frankly they, they they forced those two picks in my opinion. Yep. Yep, yep. And my, mind you, Quan Alexander, for those that saw, he got kicked out early in the game. Uh, James Winston was sliding down, diving down uh, while he was on the run. Quan Alexander dove in, you know, one of those really weird situations, but you know, he did hit James Winston, uh and they kicked him out for that. Some people say it was a dirty hit. Some people say it was like kind of whatever's. I think it's kind of whatever's. I think it's kind of a hard situation. Um, did he deserve to get kicked out, Quan Alexander? Uh, man, that's the NFL nowadays. It's, not it's, just, it's just weird, you know? <laughs> yeah. Some people yeah. say it was a dirty hit. Uh, I'd like to believe it was just one of those bang-bang plays, right? Yep, it was. Yeah. Can't really... Yeah, can't really prepare for stuff like that. Okay, okay. And so for the Niners, they're one to know. Had they lost this this game, it would have been a really sour taste because this is a road game. Their next game is on the road against Cincy. Uh, they're looking pretty good right now. They could be potentially two and zero heading into their home opener against the Steelers. So keep up the good work, Kyle Shanahan. Let's go ahead yeah. and yep. Let's go ahead and talk about something local in your neck of the woods. Uh, L.A. Rams, they went on the road. Uh, they had another tough road game in the morning to Carolina. They were favored by two and a half or so. Yeah, I think they were. Yeah, they were favored by two and a half. They won by three. Rams 30, Carolina 27. Christian McCaffrey, had, for those that have fantasy football and those that have him on, on their team, I mean, he had 10 receptions, what, 160 rushing yards, two touchdowns, but... You know, all in all, I mean, the Rams came up up top 30-27. to 27. Jared Goff didn't look particularly well, in my opinion. I thought he was a little rusty. But then again, that's what happens when you don't play any of your starters in the preseason. Uh, but I think the biggest dilemma right now that people are kind of talking about is uh, while Gurley was really effective, he only had about, like, what, 15 carries for 95 yards or so, which is great, mind you. But uh, it was Malcolm Brown that had 11 carries for 55 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, what, what are your thoughts about this game? 
Yeah, you know, Eric, the goal of uh, Christian McCaffrey, he had over 200 all-purpose yards in the game. And it just makes me think that is it missing in Dumpton too? Has it been that significant? Or maybe that's an overreaction? I mean, he did. It was 19 carries for, with two touchdowns. Average almost seven yards per carry. Um, I don't know how much they're missing them. They're, they're missing uh, Sue, but... Um, it was weird. Sue was in the game. He just re- really wasn't there if you catch my drift. He had, like, one tackle, I think. Yeah. Um, it, really, it really makes me think about that. But um, looking at the Rams side, like, Todd Gurley, like, how healthy is he really? That's, you know, they're saying that his knee's okay, he's practicing fine, but we all know, like, he's dealing with this knee injury, whether it's arthritis or whatever the injury is. It's like... How? What's his longevity? Are, is he on a pitch count? Is are they going to have to limit his his runs to a certain direction? I don't know. Limit his practicing. Yeah. And Malcolm Brown. I mean, he had he had a fantastic game. Eleven carries with uh, two touchdowns. That's um, you know, that's pretty good. And if that's the direction that they're going to go, they're going to split carries between Todd Gurley and Malcolm Brown. Maybe taper off Todd Gurley as the season goes on coming closer to the mid-season and playoffs, that's uh, something definitely to look forward to. You guess something not look forward to, but keep your eye on if you, know, if you catch me, Jeff. Right. And, I mean, you know, Super Bowl against New England, he wasn't the same talent Gurley, so perhaps they're trying to, you know, slow, you know, they, they're they probably going to make the playoffs. If not, they, like, get pretty far in the playoffs. So I, I think they might be having that end-game approach, that long game with Todd Gurley. I get that. They also they also have Henderson. They drafted him in the third round. They hardly used him this game. But, you know, in the second half of the season, um, I could see him being more involved and, you know, taking care of that offense as well, especially as a pass-catching back. I mentioned before, so Jerry Goff, I mean, he had, you know, there's 30 points, which is great, 30 points on the board, but a lot of it wasn't really his doing. He had some nice throws. But he had a lot of missed throws as well. I remember there was one in particular where he had Robert Woods wide open for the first down. He misfired, and they had to settle for a field goal. Uh, Jared Goff, I mean, for this game, he ended out with 186 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception. Um, It was nice to see Cooper Cup back in the mix. He had seven catches for 46. It's only 46 yards, but most of those seven catches, I think... Four, five out of those catches went for first downs and third down conversions. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it was a, a nice, solid overall game for the Rams. Yeah, it's just any uh, other thoughts about this game? It was also, also yeah, it, yeah. Go ahead. It, it was it was the full start to the game. It was uh, really it was just punt after punt. Um, no teams could really get in rhythm. Um, it was difficult for them to get a first down for both teams. But in the second half, they turned it up, and, you know, Malcolm Brown, he started coming out. But it, you, with Cooper Cup, though, that's, it, it's really, it really shows that how much the Rams missed him. And yeah. when he got injured last year, and Jared Goff didn't really have that security blanket to fall on, um, this game it really showed that, you know, they, they have this chemistry that, Jerry Goff doesn't have with any other receiver on that team. Right, right, right. And, uh, I mean, to your point as well, um, you know, Carolina, uh, conversely, Chris McCaffrey, CMC, he, he did his thing, but 
you know, this offense didn't really have much. Uh, Cam Newton, his receivers were okay. And I think the Rams just played a nice, solid overall game. Their middle linebacker, third-year player, undrafted. I'm so happy for him. He was undrafted, then he went to special teams. Um, but Corey Littleton, he's ended the game with 14 tackles. He led the team with 14 tackles, one interception, one fumble recovery, one forced fumble. Really happy for him. And then, I don't know if you saw this too, uh, did you see Eric Weddle? He left the game, he had like this gnarly cut on his head. Um, yeah. Yeah, he left the game, and so my boy Taylor Rapp out of Washington, Asian American, he came right in and, you know, he was pretty good in preseason. I'm pretty sure they didn't expect to put him right in, but he only played like, what, 25, 30 snaps uh, in, in the second half, but he was third on the team in tackles with seven. So it was a nice, promising start for them, or for Taylor Rapp for that matter. Uh, overall, not the best game by the Rams, but they still hung 30 on the road against Carolina. And I know Carolina, they're, they're going through a couple things offensively, but, you know, a win's a win. A road win, especially on the East Coast, I mean, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, another quality win by the NFC West. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. By the way, another random set, too. Johnny Hecker, punter, all-pro punter, but by the way, he had one of his punts blocked. That hasn't happened since 2014, so. Um, he so, what? What'd you say? He had, a, he had a punt blocked. Hasn't happened since 2014. Oh. Like, yeah. Interesting. That shit never happens. All close games, by the way. So we were talking about the Niners, talked about the Rams. Let's talk about another close game. So at Seattle, Bengals at Seattle, it was like nine and a half points. Uh, but I personally, like a couple friends asked me, like, do you think Seattle's really going to, you know, do their thing? You know, they're at home. They're probably going to win by like 10, 17, whatever points, right? And I kind of reminded uh, a couple of my friends that Seattle, they typically start the season slow. They Their offense, everything, for whatever reason, they're, they're always kind of hung over the first three weeks of the season before they really pick it up. Um and we kind of saw that against uh, the Bengals. The Bengals aren't really perceived as this great team either. But Andy Dalton hung up for, like, what, 415 passing yards. John Ross had, like, seven catches for 150 yards and two touchdowns. The, the quote-unquote Legion of Boom of 2019 didn't look too good. I mean, you, you allowed 400 yards of passing offense. Uh, the rushing game didn't do so hot. They... Average 2.9 rushing yards per carry, but they finished it off, meaning that Chris Carson did his thing. He had two total touchdowns, and in the fourth quarter, he really took over this game and uh, made sure that they held on to the lead 21-20. to And another thing to note is uh, that rookie phenom, DK Metcalf out of Ole Miss, there was a lot of talk about him you know, belonging in this league, and... Shoot, he had four catches for 84 yards, including this nice 42-yard bomb haul by him off of play action, where he actually, um, at least for the franchise, he broke the the franchise record for rookie receiving yards over Steve Largent. So, TF, let me ask you this. 20-21, to they barely hung on, but, I mean, what are your thoughts about this this game? Uh... One thing I would be concerned about, okay, wait, before I get into the bad, the, the bad stuff, I mean, the good stuff, DK Metcalf, he's going to be a problem in, in our division, that's for sure. 
uh, I don't know if it's an overreaction, but he he definitely he that that boy could run, and he got hands to him. Yeah, man. Like, uh, I was really surprised they used him so early. I thought he would go a little bit later on in the season. But, you know, the Bengals, and rightfully so, they were double, triple-teaming Tyler Lockett. So it made it really easy to just throw it up to Metcalf. And I was really surprised that Wilson trusted him because one of those catches, that, that 42-yarder I, I mentioned off of play action, that was into double coverage. He trusted the rookie to go up and make a play. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, that was uh, that was crazy. That was definitely crazy. Uh, Russell Wilson, you know, he put up numbers that I guess we would expect from Russell Wilson. Nothing too crazy, um, but it's just enough to you know, it's, it's enough to win the game. There was a, I can see how Seattle fans are getting kind of nervous. You know, at the end of the game, uh, that was you know a little questionable. It's like, were the Bengals going to pull it through, or were they not going to do it? That's um, that, that was a little bit of a nail-biter. Um, another thing that you said also is Andy Dalton putting up over 400 passing yards. Like, holy... Yeah, definitely not the same Seahawks that we're used to seeing. And with the Niners facing him next week, that's... Uh, yikes. Yeah, I mean... Secondary that, definitely going to be tested next week. But we'll talk more about that. That's at Seattle, too. And like I mentioned before, John Ross, who's been a... I mean, for the most part, he's been a first-round bust. He was, like, the eighth overall pick a couple years back. But... He had this one, it was this 50-yard bomb that Dalton did into the end zone. And Tedrick Thompson, the ball was sailing up. I'm sure you saw this. The ball was sailing where Tedrick Thompson, free safety, he had a, in my opinion, an easy interception. But he timed his jump wrong. He exposed himself where he jumped a little bit early. And John Ross just took it out the air and ran it in for a touchdown. Uh... Tedrick Thompson obviously had a horrible game because, you know, for any starting free safety, you should not allow those sort of plays. Trey Flowers, he was targeted 14 times. He was targeted 14 times. Uh, I think John Ross, he made his field day on his side of the field. And Shaquille Griffin, he did okay. But overall for the secondary, this was a pretty poor performance out of these guys. Uh, I think it was the defensive line, this front seven that really saved them to hold on to that 20-21 to 21 lead. And they still could have lost. I mean, um, whatchamacallit, Bullock, the Bengals' f- field goal kicker, he missed the field goal earlier on in the game in the first half. But Quentin Jefferson, who is essentially Gerard Reed's replacement for the first six games, he had a monster game. He had two sacks, two tackles for losses. Um, I thought we'd see a lot more Clowney, but Clowney was eased into the rotation. He saw a couple of snaps, but he wasn't heavily featured yet. Um, Rasheem Green, who I've been very hard on in, in seasons past, or at least during the preseason, I didn't see him much. That was kind of critical, but uh, he was the one that had the pressure uh, late game in the fourth quarter against Andy Dalton to seal the win. So I thought, you know, all in all, it was the defensive line that, that really stepped up, and I was really happy to see that happen because uh, that was something that I was really worried about going into the season was their pass rush. And they did it not necessarily with Jadavion Clowney, but they did it with their guys. They did it with Quentin Jefferson. They did it with Al Woods. Uh, he also had another uh, stellar game. Puna Ford made a couple plays. Uh, it was their local guys that came up and, and helped them come out with this win. Yeah, definitely uh, very exciting. That was um, good. Jadavion Clowney, he did have one sack, but uh, yeah, I think... 
as the season goes on, Seattle's front seven, I think they're just going to improve. Chemistry's going to improve, and they're going to start putting more pressure on the quarterbacks. Uh, The secondary definitely going to need some help. They they, they need to figure out what's going on back there. But the front seven, you know, as the saying goes, you know, if you have a strong pass rush, it kind of masses the deficiencies in your secondary. So hopefully that holds true with with Seattle. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. Definitely a nail biting game for the for Seattle's week one. Tia, that was the most. Hey, that was very exciting. That was the most bullshit, very exciting phrase ever. But I, I know you're you're trying your best with the coverage for Seahawks. I, I can appreciate that, Tom. It was a very exciting game, wasn't it? It was very exciting. It was very exciting. Yeah. We, we, we have to yeah. appease our uh, our fellow Seattleites. It's great. Seattleites is that what they're called? Seattleites. The Twelves, the Seattleites. Chris Carson, by the way, like I said. They didn't run too well the first three quarters, but Chris Carson, man, he was a man among boys in the fourth quarter. Really brought it home for them. So watch out. Watch out, guys. So they are going to play. Oh, man, they got a tough one. They're going to play Pittsburgh on the road next week. Son of a bitch. Um, But Pittsburgh didn't look too good either uh, this week. Okay, so the last game, which is kind of the weirdest one because... The first three quarters were shit. It was absolutely boring. Uh, entering the fourth quarter, they were down, uh, what was it, like 21-6. to six, But they ended up forcing this baby into overtime, 24-25-4 at the end of regulation. And they come out with a tie, 27-27. to 27. The Lions, Cardinals, the Lions were favored by 2.5. Kyler Murray was a piece of shit the first three quarters. That offense was a piece of shit. The first three quarters, but um, kind of true to form, and this is a crazy statistic. But Kyler Murray, he was nine for twenty-five, nine for twenty-five the first three quarters, right? So for Kyler Murray and that offense to take it into overtime, being down six to twenty-one, he goes fifteen of nineteen for one hundred fifty-two yards and two touchdowns to bring that baby into overtime. And while obviously you know you'd like the win. Uh, they didn't lose either. They didn't lose either. So, I mean, this offense showed promise at the very end. Larry Fitzgerald, by the way, he had, last year, he had no catches for 40 yards or more. This game, he had two catches for 40 yards. He ended the game with eight catches for 115 yards. David Johnson, everyone was saying they're going to be very excited for David Johnson in this Cliff Kingsbury offense. Well, you know, in the second half, he had a very clutch touchdown in the second half off a of play action Murray to Johnson in the passing game which is awesome um, they didn't win they didn't lose they tied T up what do you think about this game uh, my honest opinion this, this <laughs> game was probably a near unwatchable game I'm sorry I mean the first it three quarters it was unwatchable right yeah and I guess like if you were one of the, the few Mohicans that decided to stick it out and watch the remaining part of the game. I guess it got pretty exciting. You know, Kyler Murray putting up those kind of 15 for 19 is really impressive, especially being the first uh, regular season game and get literally the game on the line. And he had to, he had to do what he had to do to, to bring him into overtime. He did that shit in Oklahoma too. You know, that- he did that shit in Oklahoma too, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And he does have a bright future. Don't get me wrong. But just, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know who, who's calling, who's the offense coordinator for, 
Is it Byron Leftwich? Uh, no, Byron Leftwich is on the Bucks with Bruce Arians. It is the, the Kyle oh. Shanahan, Sean McVay model. Cliff Kingsbury is the offensive coordinator as well. You know, he loves that ten personnel, oh, which is four wides, zero tight ends, and one running back. That's that um, empty receiver set. Interesting. Do you, do you think that Cliff Kingsbury is going to turn into one of those college uh, coaches where? They think that their their system is going to pull it out in the NFL, but that you know that spread offense doesn't work. Well, check this out. So they, they sucked dick. Or right, okay, well, it's a part of the kind of. All right, they sucked very bad the first three quarters, right? Uh, I think a lot of it of why they were able to come back and score all those points in the fourth was because, well, Kyler Murray he had fifty four passing attempts. That was the most since uh, two thousand nine, when Kurt Warner was still on the team. So. Rookie quarterback, his first game, he has 54 passing attempts, a.k.a. they wore the defense out, you know, like, you know, Snacks, Harrison, Damon Williams with with the Lions. Like, these guys, like, you know, as a defensive lineman, yeah, you're tired of shit, meaning that um, the pass rush gets softened up. I also noticed this, too, and I, I, I get it, uh, because Kyler Murray is a shorter quarterback, Instead of rushing the passer, and, and they were kind of like dissuaded by his elusiveness, a lot of them were trying to wave their hands and try to knock a couple of passes down. That happened a couple of times. I think three, four passes were knocked down. But that also means that the defense is tired. They're not really rushing the quarterback as much. And that's why you saw that fourth quarter surge in regards to like Carly Murray being 15 for 19. That kind of goes with it, meaning that if you're passing so much, you're going to eventually wear the defense down. And they, they still ran the ball, maybe not as much, obviously, but, you know, David Johnson still had 18 carries, so there's still some optimism, yeah, they, right, you know? Yeah, we'll see if they change the philosophy going forward. I don't know if changing philosophy is the right phrase to use, but, you know, make the appropriate adjustments to put, put Kyler Murray in the best position to win. And, yeah, I mean, a, a rookie quarterback is only 54 54 times in a game, that's, that's a lot, you know? And how long is that really going to last in this 17-week season, 16-week season? It's just a really weird feeling because, you know, they were down 21-6, you know, entering the fourth quarter, and they kind of come up tying. But if they lost 21-6 and if Kyler Murray had 54 passing attempts and only put up six points, I mean, this is a completely different outlook heading into week two. But right now, everyone's kind of, I won't say hunky-dory, but they're pretty optimistic on the return that they're getting out of their first overall pick in the draft, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, you know, next game, I, I want to see I want to see the young wide receiver step up. You know, Larry Fitzgerald is out there. He caught six passes for, I'm sorry, eight passes for 113 yards, one touchdown. Yep. David Johnson was the second highest receiver with six receptions. You know, I, I want to see, I want to see the young bucks step up, and hopefully Kingsbury draws them up so they can make some big plays too. Yeah, Chris Kirk had four catches for 32. You saw a little bit of Keyshawn Johnson. Um, mentioned before, you know, Kim Butler. He, obviously, he's out. Andy Isabella was only there for special teams. They didn't really use him. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this offense comes along from week to week. And, you know, I think every week for every commentator that calls the game, they're going to be talking about, is this offense legit? Is it long-term for the NFL? We'll find out. But I was quite, well, at least for the fourth quarter, I was quite entertained. Otherwise, I was kind of taking a nap 
I really was. I was pretty bored with this game, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So before we get into week two with this line and all that, any other final thoughts about, I don't know, week one in general with the NFC West? Uh, no, not really. At least there was no L's that were handed out, but I'm pretty sure there's L's on the way for NFC West, <laughs> unfortunately. But, yeah, overall, you know, good outing. Kind of slow. I think a common trend for all the teams, slow outings, slow outings. And they, they pick up the pace after, after halftime. Right. All right. Okay. Well, before we talk about some Week 2 stuff, Tee up. Let's go over the lines for the opponents for week two for the NFC West. And before we go into the lines, um, let's talk about our friends at the spread. If you want an edge going to week two, check out the spread. It's a gambling centric podcast focused on stats, base picks and predictions against the spread to give you insight into the best picks of the week. These guys have been awesome against the spread and they're always an interesting and very fun listen. So Check them out. The spread. Tee up. Okay, so let's see. Pick an NFC West team, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you their opponents, and I'll tell you the line for, for that game. Uh, let's go backwards this time. Let's start with Arizona. Arizona. Okay, so Arizona, since they are coming off a very positive tie at home, fuck, they're going to Baltimore. Like, Lamar Jackson, five touchdowns, Baltimore, for their home opener. Baltimore destroyed the Dolphins at Miami. And so, just just for shits and giggles, okay, Arizona at Baltimore. Uh, what's what's the line? What's the against the spread line? Ooh. Man, we're probably going to go really high on this one. I'm going to go Baltimore laying 14. Ooh, pretty close. It might go up to 14. Opening line is 13 and a half over under 46 and a half. So like 23 to 23, 46 and a half. So almost two touchdowns. Um, I mean, it's it's fair. Um, that's a pretty fun matchup if you think about it. Kyler Murray versus Lamar Jackson. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And Baltimore home, home opener, considering what Baltimore did last week, that's going to be a... Oh, man. It's going to be tough for Arizona. <laughs> this one's going to be, I guess the yeah. bright side is I do have Lamar Jackson on my fantasy squad, so. Okay. Well, that's always Definitely, good. Definitely uh, looking forward to that. That's always good for for your team, I guess. You selfish bastard and your fantasy football team. That That's good. Arizona, yeah. they, um, yeah, I'm still worried about their run defense, you know. Their, their backers, their front seven. And Baltimore, they run arguably more or if not just the same amount as the Seahawks so that should be a very interesting matchup uh, let's see if we're going to go in reverse okay uh, let's talk Seattle so Seattle road game they go at Pittsburgh and mind you Pittsburgh didn't look like the Pittsburgh of years past this is their first year without Le'Veon Bell without Antonio Brown and yeah, in terms of Brown, they got shitted on last week. They lost thirty-three to three to New England on Sunday Night Football under the national spotlight. And so you would hope that uh, they'd have some pride and they'd be kind of fucking pissed about getting embarrassed on national TV. So yeah, Seattle is yeah 
Seattle is on the road for this. What do you think about this game? What is the spread for this? Just just to put it out there. Ooh, this is kind of a oh, fun one. Man. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna take the Vegas line. I'm gonna say Seattle plus five. So Pittsburgh five. Hmm. It's a little bit closer than you thought. Close? Closer. They put the Steelers favored by three and a half over under 46 and a half. So the total is still the same as the Arizona game. A lower scoring game, Pittsburgh three and a half. Oh, man. I. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. No, it's a. Uh, it should be a close. Oh, I don't know. I can't. Well, here's the thing. It's so early in the season where you don't really know. If that game, you know, against the Patriots, if the Steelers really that bad, or if they're they're gonna pick it up, I mean, this is gonna be their home opener, mind you. So, I mean, you would think. Um, I'm intrigued to see how the line kind of progresses as we get closer to week two. Let's just say that. Yeah, yeah, it's something I'll do with what to make out of uh, Pittsburgh for sure. Don't know if that's like if that's who they really are, if that's their identity, or if you know James Carr, he didn't really have a good game. No, no, I expect a bounce back. Nope, Juju was pedestrian. Dante Moncrief, he dropped a ton of balls. So, uh, your boy Vance McDonald, he had like a couple garbage catches in the fourth quarter, but you didn't really see him. Uh, yeah, no one, no one really stepped up. But that was just the first week. Maybe they'll step up at home. I don't know. I don't know. It's still weird. But by the way, Tia, it's still weird. The Patriots won thirty-three to three, and this was without Antonio Brown. I know. But even then, actually, I just got a, a tweet earlier today. Maybe Antonio Brown won't even play with the Patriots. Dot, dot, dot. Did he hear about that? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was headlines, man. Antonio <laughs> Brown is having a hell of a week, isn't he? Oh, what, uh, Not for the good, too. Oh, God. I, I forget. Amidst all this drama, he plays football, by the way. Or I think he did play football back in the day. Shit, and he's just... <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, fuck. Okay, I, let's keep going on the reverse. And so... Oh, this one should be a very tasty game. So, tee up. During this offseason, the NFL officiating has changed, meaning that moving forward for 2019, you can challenge if it was a PI or if it was not a PI call because of the NFC Championship game. There was a non-PI call called or not called in the Rams-Saints game. And so the Rams get their home game at L.A., and guess who they're playing? Of course. The Saints, yes. The New Orleans Saints. They're playing the Saints week two for their home opener. The Rams open, uh, and guess the spread for this one. This one's an interesting one. The Saints just came off a crazy Sunday night, or I'm sorry, Monday night football finish against the Texans at home, so... What's the spread for this? Oh, man. Uh, Rams at home, home opener. Saints gave up a lot of points. Rams, uh, I'm going to go, uh, I'm shooting in the dark with this one. Rams minus, <clears throat> Rams minus three and a half. You're good, man. All things considered. Really? All things, no, you're pretty, close enough. They, they're three. They're favored by three. Pretty much you got it, man. Wow. So I think that That's both crazy. teams are, you know, in the public eye, they're, they're evenly matched, and, you know, you give it to the home team, so you give them three points. Three points over, over under 54, so, you know, a pretty lit game. That's a 27-27 type of over under. 
Yeah, man, I think that's obviously the Saints are going to be amped up. It's going to be on the road, but, you know, they're going to have a lot going for them. They want to obviously make a statement. This is the team that, you know, pretty much robbed them of a Super Bowl appearance. And, you know, obviously the Rams didn't make do with the opportunity. But, uh, yeah, the Saints, they're going to they're going to be a pretty tough, tough out, whether they're on the road or home. It's going to be a pretty tough game. Interesting. Ah, that's going to be a fun game to watch. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So as we go into week two, uh, any other thoughts? How's your fantasy football team doing to you? Are you, um, are you doing well uh, in your uh, leagues? Definitely took that week one L. My team didn't produce. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, OBJ, Julio Jones, all those teams just stunk to bed. But I'm expecting a bounce back. I got. I had Lamar Jackson sitting on my bench, so I put him. Uh, you know, I gave him that pep talk, say, "Hey, you know, I, I need you for week two, possibly for the remainder of the season." So, it's the worst feeling, though. Good. How about you? It's the worst feeling when you have someone like Lamar Jackson or, I don't know, Sammy Watkins on your bench because, or even Deshaun Jackson for that matter. I wouldn't have started them week one either, but it's still, it's still like, fuck, it's still a bad feeling. Uh, for me yeah. personally, well, shoot, I'm in, I'm in seven leagues, so I'm in, in a lot, but I won, I did the total, I won four, I lost three. The third loss being, a, I should have won, but I, I lost on Monday Night Football. It happens. Um... All in all, I'm having a pretty strong start. Uh, the guys that I've been banking on, which has been Mark Ingram, Carson Wentz, um, Mark Andrews, tight end out of Baltimore. I mean, yeah, so far, so good. I've been pretty happy with the return. So we'll see how it goes. But to your point, uh, the one that I did lose, I had James Conner, who was supposed to hold his end of the deal, and he didn't. And then I lost on Monday Night Football. So shit happens, you know? Should happen. Should happen. Luckily, there's uh, 16 more games. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, for fantasy, no, there's playoffs, but yeah. you, you get what I mean. Potato, potato. It is what it is. So, Tia, I appreciate mm-hmm. appreciate your time. To my loyal listeners, continue to check out the pod on iTunes, Spotify, Twitter, at Just the West, and, of course, the blog, www.justthewest.com. By the way, week one, I was unable to do any blog posts because I was really busy this past weekend. I had a nonprofit um, annual tasting benefit event that I had to work and organize, and it was something that I've been working on the, pretty much this entire year, so my, my time was limited this weekend. But for week two, I'll, I'll make it up, guys. So until next time, we out here. Peace. We out.